0: Welcome to episode three of Sustainable Scotland, the podcast that focuses on the people and organisations that are moving the dial towards making Scotland a more sustainable place to live. I'm your host, Sean Milne, a journalist and podcaster looking at just how we tackle the big issues around our environment and sustainability. Today, we ask how Scotland's construction sector is rising to the challenge posed by climate change amid diminishing resources. With the global pandemic, COP26 on the horizon and targets to be reached. Just where do we go from here? I'm delighted to be joined by Graham Hanna, Head of Sustainability at the Robertson Group, and Lucy Black, Director of Innovation and Engagement at Construction Scotland Innovation Centre. So to kick off then, what challenges does the construction sector face when it comes to sustainability here in Scotland? Graham? Where are we now and where do we go from here?
1: Yeah, so that's, that's a big question to get us started, Sean. Um, I think just before we delve too deeply into that, we need to consider the definition of sustainability and what we actually mean by that. There's certainly a perception at times that sustainability equals carbon emissions. But while climate change and decarbonisation is a big part of our approach, sustainability is and has to be much wider than that. At Robertson, we structure our approach to sustainability in alignment with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And our approach is broadly broken into three key areas, our people, our partners and our planet. And our outcomes under these areas range from equality and diversity to learning and development to social value in communities and how we support our supply chain through to our environmental impact. With that said, to answer your question, there's probably two key challenges that, that we find. And the first being, first of all, the harmonisation of all of these aspects and more that we've just touched on. The reality of any construction project is that they are extremely complex logistically, and that there is never and can't just be one thing to prioritise. We need to strike the right balance and deliver the outcomes that are valuable value for everyone. The Scottish Government's Just Transition Commission, easy for me to say, references Inclusive Net Zero, which touches on everything from job opportunities and economic growth to tackling inequality and fuel poverty, through to resource efficiency, and then ultimately delivering a low-carbon investment in infrastructure. And the big challenge, or the first big challenge, is how you balance these um, and how you effectively bring all of these aspects together. Secondly, as a a tier one construction infrastructure and support services company, we, we can and will deliver whatever is asked for us in terms of inclusive net zero buildings. But where I see the biggest challenge is in both the resource and the desire to deliver sustainable projects from the customer or the funder. There's a phrase often used in construction that is the race to the bottom. And that refers to continually enabling undercutting the competition in terms of costs but usually you find you get what you pay for and as a customer if you aren't willing to put the resource and commitment into a project then we will never see the high level national targets and outcomes being realised. What we have to do at Robertson is to help and educate our customers that best price doesn't necessarily give the best outcome or even the best costs over the lifetime of a project and we try and use our experiences to educate customers that aren't at the same stage in their journey as we are an informed customer is ideal because they have clarity around exactly what they want and understand the implications. And with earlier engagement opportunities that some of our frameworks provide, we can really support the customer on that journey. It um, is however important that customers, particularly in the public sector, continue to strike that, that appropriate balance between quality and cost.
0: So for people who aren't familiar with the Robertson Group, what kind of projects are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, so Robertson um, are one of the largest family owned construction infrastructure and support services businesses in the UK. Um, We have over 3000 employees that make up Robertson Group and Robertson Residential Group and we work right across the entire built environment lifecycle. Um, including for construction, house building, facilities management, civil engineering. We've got a timber engineering factory that creates timber kit for houses, and we have a range of other services. So we're really really involved in in a really wide scale with with a number of big projects, or big and small projects, across the entire built environment in Scotland.
0: Okay, and Lucy, in terms of those kind of same challenges, that's the, the view from Robertson. Is this something that you are identifying through the work that you do?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, very important what Graham said in terms of what is sustainability. People tend to think that sustainability is all about energy efficiency uh, and the build, uh, but actually it permeates uh, all aspects really of the design, the build and the operation of a building and the people within it, as well as the employees within a company. So we at um, Construction Scotland Innovation Centre focus our work around four key areas which really have a key driver of sustainability. So um, as Graham was mentioning we, we take a whole look at culture and um, culture change within the construction sector, diversity and inclusion being a very important part of that. And in fact, just to give by example, uh, we have actually um, delivering at the moment for Skills Development Scotland, the development of a passive house rig. Now, passive house is a sustainability building standard. And so it's one that will be used more and more, particularly within house building. Um, to build to very high sustainability and energy standards. So we are developing a rig within our innovation factory whereby we will bring along those that are currently unemployed and have been made redundant as a result of COVID within the sector to reskill them and to give them the skills of the future and the future of the construction sector requires. We have a very strong digital agenda and the digital agenda is very much part of sustainability because it allows us to work much more efficiently. And when you bring in digital manufacturing Again, it means that um, buildings can be built uh, to much higher quality with much less waste uh, involved and to higher uh, building standards. We look very much at materials, at the fabric of a building and uh, looking at local materials, recycling materials, those that can be brought in to really help reach the sustainability standards. And if you get the fabric right of a building, then it reduces the energy demand and so the energy solution that uh, that should come into play. Um, and finally, we do a lot of activity around the industrialisation of the sector. So um, sustainability really leads us to looking at much more e- efficient uh, methods of construction and in particular looking at off-site manufacturing. So that might be at a component level for um infrastructure projects or for um, housing projects. It's looking very much at modular construction, timber frame construction, but all of that being done within a factory environment where we can work much more efficiently, without the vagaries of the weather, using digital manufacturing uh, technology, which, as I say, allows um, you know much quicker builds, but equally um, higher quality with with less waste, and so ultimately it creates buildings of the future that will be much more energy efficient, much more airtight, and much more pleasant for us to uh, live and work in.
0: And there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, and it's fascinating to to hear this from from both of you as well. In terms of how that is delivered, you know, the mechanisms for that and per- perhaps you, Graeme, to, to begin with, are you seeing this as a view of sustainability at all levels in industry or do you think there's still work to be done? It's still changing. What's, what, what's your kind of experience of it so far?
1: From my own perspective, which admittedly is largely tier one contractor based, um, I think sustainability is generally viewed very positively. Um, you know, We deliver a lot of really good projects and have really good people willing to engage with them, both within Robertson and within our, our wider supply chain. And, you know, they work to really deliver proper sustainable outcomes. I do think that sometimes from a policy perspective, we can overly complicate things at times particularly when we talk about sustainability. We reference things like the circular economy or inclusive net zero, but these terms can sometimes get lost in translation or not be able to transition into actual tangible outcomes at a work package level that that we would issue with our subcontractors. I think if we switch these words out sometimes and just replace them with efficiency, you'd get a high, a higher level of engagement. Um, most companies don't like to waste money, and if we tweak the narrative slightly, you'll find that a lot of sustainability is actually just doing the day job really well. Um, be that managing the logistics of materials or waste, the use of energy or fuel coordination of people, sustainability doesn't have to be this theoretical or mythical green add-on. It, it really has to be core to what we do. And what's key is is giving our project teams the knowledge, the structure, the resources, and ultimately the ability to make good decisions. And that's something that we really focus on. Is this where innovation comes in as well, Lucy?
2: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, innovation requires a lot of education. And a big part of our work is very much about educating, uh, educating the sector. So that's educating at a client level, um, because a lot of change within the sector is going to be client driven. And particularly in Scotland, when a lot of procurement is actually done by the public sector, it's very much about making the public sector, making the client change their behaviour, drive sustainability uh, you know, and include that within, uh, within the contracts that they issue and the tender documents that they issue. It's about educating right through from the designers through to the material suppliers, the contractors and then much further down the supply chain. And equally for us, it's about working with the future workforce, the skills of the future and working with the schools and the colleges to ensure that uh, you know, our, our new workforce for the construction sector is fully bought into sustainability and the need uh, you know, for a much better performing built environment. That, in terms of innovation, then drives innovation, whether that's innovation within business practice, new business models. For instance, part of um, sustainability and sort of the circular economy is is looking at new business models and is looking at, say, servitization. And servitization might be, you know, traditionally um, lighting in our homes and our buildings has been something that we go, we purchase lighting systems, we purchase light bulbs, you know, and there's an upfront cost to that, then we have a running cost to it. But new business models around that are lighting as a service so that you have somebody that actually comes in who fits and then who manages your lights for a fixed monthly fee. Which makes budgeting uh, much easier, uh, but equally, you know, it makes um, repair and maintenance uh, much more simple as well. So, looking at new business models, looking at new procurement models, uh, and particularly, as I've said, that driven very often by the client, um, and then innovation within, as I've mentioned before, you know, the fabric of the building, the energy system of the building, the combined uh, fabric and energy system. It's looking at that whole life cycle value. Uh, of a project and the operational um, cost of a building, not just the upfront build cost. And so very much looking from the beginning at what should our fabric look like, what materials, what new materials must we develop, must we innovate, uh, and what, you know, how, how should we build to a new building system using offsite site manufacturing. Um, so innovation permeates all of that, because innovation effectively is just really change uh, and it's changed though, that has to unlock new value.
0: So among all the measures that the industry has taken or can be taken, something that really caught my eye, Graham, was the fact that, I think, right the same Robertson Group actually
1: declared its own climate emergency. I mean, from a Robertson perspective, we've got a, a pretty strong track record um, as a socially economically and environmentally conscious business um, we did declare a climate and biodiversity emergency um, and important not to miss out the, the biodiversity part which sometimes gets left off um, we did that on the back of having delivered a 40 percent reduction in our carbon emissions intensity since 2015 and we became carbon neutral or net zero after offsetting our remaining emissions since 2018 and that was done through tree planting with local schools and investing in Global renewable energy projects. We've also delivered some, some really sustainable projects for our customers. Um, we delivered the, we call it the TECA project, but it's now known as PJ Live Arena um, and the hotels in Aberdeen. And that is powered by the UK's largest hydrogen fuel c- cell installation. Which is fed by an anaerobic digesting system, which is fueled by local food and agricultural waste. So it's a, a really efficient, really, you know, innovative, groundbreaking system. Um, some of our actions and commitments in reducing our environmental impact have recently been recognised by both the UN Climate Neutral Now programme and the Zero Waste Scotland Resource Efficiency Platinum Pledge programme. So we're we're quite pleased with the progress we're making, but we do recognise that more needs to be done. Um, And as part of our responsible business 2030 strategy, we've set a target to become climate positive without increasing our current level of carbon offsetting.
0: You mentioned biodiversity there. I mean, I think when most people consider construction, they think of cranes, big buildings, warehouses and what have you. I mean, how important is biodiversity in the planning process and the delivery of what you guys do?
1: Yes, it's extremely important. Um, Something we have done as part of our 2030 strategy is that we have set a target to deliver biodiversity net gain for all of our projects. So, when we talk about biodiversity, we mean the number of species and the variety of life in that habitat. And when we talk about creating a biodiversity net gain for our projects, that means we're increasing the biodiversity from when a project is finished compared to when the project has started. So, it's about leaving that leaving the project in a better place than it was before you got there.
0: Now, is that a requirement or
1: is that just an ambition for the company? So that's an ambition for the company, depending on your local authority or the area you're working in or the specific planning conditions. Some people look for you to to demonstrate something to that effect, but it's it's not always the case.
0: Okay, and Lucy, are you seeing other kind of innovations and other thought leaders like Robertson Group doing this? Or is this you know, fairly unique?
2: Robertson definitely are an exemplar company in the way that they're approaching sustainability and net zero at the heart of their their operation. So it's fantastic to have, uh, you know, a leader like this. The other uh, lead contractors are very much on this as well with very strong policies, charters, you know, really trying to, to train and to educate their supply chains to ensure that their supply chains, which are, you know, a whole subcontractor network, are equally as well versed and can deliver for them to the standards that they need them to deliver. That said, as I mentioned earlier, there is still, you know, there's still a strong education a uh, you know, required right from the clients all the way through uh, the supply chain to ensure that we're all on the same page to achieve the you know the government's ambitions of being net zero by 2045. And by ensuring that um, any new homes, for instance, are gas free uh, by 2024. So we've got strong targets, Edinburgh and Glasgow, aim to be net zero by 2040. So, you know, the UK is 2050, but Scotland's going to step ahead. But we all need to be in it together, working together with the knowledge, with the skills, with the resources to reach these targets.
0: OK, so how do you deliver that then, Graham? You know, if you're a tier one company and you've got this big supply chain that Lucy's alluding to there, how do you encourage them to be involved? Are they keen already or are there other kind of incentives that you've got to offer?
1: Yeah, it's it's a mix of people that are really leading the way and people that you want to support on that journey. So from a Robertson perspective, we've, we've got a close working relationship with our supply chain, which given all the activities we're involved in is pretty diverse and extensive. You know, we're working from multi-million pound businesses through to a man and his van and sometimes his dog with them. So we, we try to focus upon early engagement, partnership building and upskilling and growth wherever we can. You know, from the outset, our pre-qualification process to become part of the Robertson supply chain enables us to review the environmental and sustainability credentials of each member And the products that they provide and highlight both the strengths and weaknesses of that of that business and the collective supply chain. And this helps us create a a targeted development plan to ensure that both legislative compliance and support beyond minimum requirements is there to meet our responsible business 2030 strategy.
0: Lucy also mentioned there about Edinburgh and Glasgow in particular having these really ambitious and aggressive targets to to achieve, you know, everybody pulling together to get there. And, you know, it got quite a lot of publicity recently that the Edinburgh Climate Compact has launched as well. You know, you're involved with that as a group. You know, what can you tell us about that? What can you, how can you explain it to people who've maybe not really read much about it so far?
1: Yeah, so we, we've joined with other leading Edinburgh businesses and employers to sign a pledge that's aimed at sparking radical action on climate change for the city. Um, it's known as the Edinburgh Climate Compact. We're joined by the Edinburgh Fringe Society, NatWest Group, NHS Lothian, Scottish Power and Energy Networks, Edinburgh Council, and the University of Edinburgh don't think I've missed anyone out off the list but But, (laughs) but a
0: bunch of of big names there for sure
1: (laughs) yeah so we've all basically confirmed our commitment to be leaders um, in this rate to net zero so we're joined by these other leading businesses to contribute to a green recovery and ultimately to help Edinburgh reach its target of net zero by 2030 and there's a real sense of responsibility that comes with being the business that's representing the built environment at this level and it also provides a real opportunity to come together and share knowledge across both industries and the public sector and being part of the climate compact is a perfect match for us um, as the aims of Edinburgh are so closely aligned with our own targets. We're also part of a, a similar group in Yorkshire, um, the Climate Action Coalition with Deloitte and others. But this is the first time in Scotland that employers spanning these sectors have come together to collaborate and um, to achieve or to target the achievement of a reduction in our collective greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and it's something we're really honoured and really excited about.
0: Lucy, Graham used a really important word there, radical. You know, it says the radical approach to this. Is that the kind of collaboration that we need? Is it, how vital is it to achieving the kind of changes we need to see or the innovations we need to see? And you know, how do you think other organisations can benefit from having you know a group working together like this?
2: That's exactly what Construction Scotland Innovation Centre are charged with. Uh, we are um, funded through the Scottish Government as one of the uh, seven innovation centres part of the Innovation Centre Programme, and we are charged with Yes, um, creating radical transformation within the construction sector and how it operates and how it builds and how our buildings perform. But equally, it's about collaborating and it's bringing together um, government partners. And we, we, we are the facilitator there. We're we the linchpin bringing together government partners, key public sector pl- partners, the client, the supply chain and importantly often academic knowledge and resource from across Scotland. There's some fantastic, uh, you know, knowledge, particularly within this area, within the Scottish academic and colleges network. And so the projects that we're increasingly supporting are Strategic projects for Scotland. They are radical projects, projects that are going to create very strong change. We can't do that on a single company level. We need to do that through bringing the right consortium of people, the right collaboration together so that we're all working towards the same goal, whatever that particular goal might be within the innovation project.
0: And is this going to be all about sort of new build or is it going to be about adapting what we have? You know, I mean, last time we walked through Edinburgh City Centre, for instance, you know, I was struck that. All these offices are kind of empty just now, but the lights are still left on, burning bright. You know, it's you know this energy is just flowing out there, and you know you wonder will they be populated by the same kind of people again? You know, the office workers and managers, or, or are they going to have to be adapted for mixed use, perhaps residential and you know um, other kind of commercial uses? I mean, where where do you think it's going to go, Lucy?
2: we need to look at our existing collateral, our existing buildings and it's important to note that 80% of emissions come from buildings in use. So it's very much ensuring that these buildings are performing as well as they can which means that we need to move into a very deep retrofit and refurbishment programme to ensure that the, the buildings that we have at the moment operating, whether they need to be repurposed you know, or whether it's in their existing being for our, our homes for example, how to make these Buildings as energy efficient as possible, both in you know ensuring they've got appropriate insulation, ensuring they've got the right energy system, um, you know decarbonising our heat. All these aspects are key in developing a strong retrofit uh, program. And interestingly, you see, you know, are we going to repurpose our buildings? You know, our high street is changing. Um, some of our major retailers are, unfortunately, uh, you know leaving us, going bust, we've got some fantastic real estate office buildings that are not being used uh, at the moment, our whole way of working is going to change.
0: And presumably then, Graham, that means, you know, groups like Robertson who have that sustainable facing expertise and are members of the likes of the compact, that's where you can bring your influence, experience and dare say expertise to to bear and, and help
1: influence what happens next. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Robert's in a a fortunate position that we're we're a strong business and we've got a strong reputation in this area. So having the opportunity to support and guide our customers, um, particularly in the public sector, who, who have a lot of building stock that some of it, probably needs some investment if we if we want to get it up to, to net zero carbon. You know, it's, it's a really good opportunity for us um, from a business perspective, as well as obviously, you know, delivering, um, as we talked about radical change for the environment.
0: And where, where does the responsibility lie? Is it down to construction companies or construction sector? Is it down to planning departments? You know, I mean, there, there was an article in the, the press the other day talking about how homes are still being built just now, but without say the the ground source heat pumps or the solar panels and the the cost may be shouldered by the person who buys the house, you know. So instead of putting on that start for six or seven grand, somebody's gonna to have to shell it twenty grand plus to, you know, add this to what's already a, a new home. Is this something that you can see may change in the near future, or is it
1: part of the conversation to be addressed? Yeah, no, it's 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 a good point. It's, it's difficult as a construction company because ultimately you're going to build what your customer asks you to build because that's the job that you've priced for. So we can bring suggestions to the table, we can encourage um, particular actions or particular focuses, but ultimately that's the, the customer's decision, um, particularly on the construction side around wh- what they want to invest in. It goes back to the kind of point I touched on earlier where you want to try and educate your customers to help them understand why we are so driven to decarbonize and the benefits for them because if they're generating less carbon it's likely because they're using less energy and if they're using less energy it's saving you money so you can potentially invest in a project and you can get it for the lowest capital cost you possibly can, but that doesn't necessarily reflect its whole life costs or its whole life carbon footprint. So there's a real education piece and there's a bit of joining up to be done um, within some organisations around operational cost versus capital cost and how you tie those together and view them as one rather than two separate things. So we are fortunate that we, we... have uh, the opportunity in a number of forums to try and encourage that. Um, and hopefully that's where we'll see things going in the future.
0: And the real positive in this, Lucy, is at least there's now an emerging choice. You know, the technology is advancing. You know, people like you know, Graham are helping that narrative move forward. You know, the the, the centre you work with, you know, following just your blog feed and your social media feed you see all the 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 great work that has been done you know it isn't a lost cause it's it's something that's moving you know people are adapting and ideas are changing
2: it's not all about the new it's not all about creating brand new ideas uh, brand new products brand new materials you know the technologies exist now it's very much about mainstreaming innovation Innovation, as I mentioned earlier, is change and it's change that unlocks new value. It can just be about using existing technology or existing products, but in a new way um, or, you know, changing your business model. Um, So, yeah, we're focused too on helping to mainstream innovation and to get that technology that has been developed that's only used maybe in a few pilot exemplar projects, but it's, it's ensuring that that technology in these products, uh, new processes, instead of being used in exemplar projects, pilot projects, but these, you know, they become much more commonplace uh, and used as a, as a key building method or building operation uh, throughout our different build works and economy.
0: Now, obviously, this has been a, a big year for many reasons, the pandemic, you know, the changes of Brexit and so on, everything has going forward. But we've also got COP26 coming up. Now, for the Robertson Group, for the Innovation Centre, this must be a huge opportunity to, you know, help direct conversation, perhaps even achieve some policy change and direction. Working with the partners that you do and your supply chains and everybody else, Graham, as a as a business, you know, how do you guys view COC Twenty Six and the opportunities it presents? Yeah, I
1: mean, if we if we talk about. What- COP26 is, first of all, you know, it's around climate change and climate change has been described as the defining issue of our time by the UN and with COP26 on the horizon, we're at a defining moment. It will be the biggest summit the UK has ever hosted, which is something to think about. Um, And it's been described potentially as the most significant climate event since the 2015 Paris Agreement. Those that are familiar with climate change um, know that without significant action now, we'll see an increase in climate pressures like higher temperatures, extreme weather, rising sea levels, which in turn will lead to an increase to risk to life, damaged infrastructure, and supply chain disruption. So we know that we need to act now to prevent this. And With the sheer scale and ambition of the COP26 summit, it has the potential to significantly raise levels of awareness and really drive systemic change if countries, governments, public sector and businesses really commit. If we look at the Greta Thunberg effect, if we look at eco-anxiety anxiety that young people are struggling with now, if we look at the impact of the climate protests we've had um, over the last 18 months, we see how important the next generation view this issue, this a defining issue, then it's clear that we have a responsibility to ensure future generations inherit infrastructure, buildings, and ultimately a planet that's looked after and provides them with a sustainable future, too. I guess, from my own personal perspective, and I'm and, and fairly comfortable in saying the perspective of Robertson as well, is that COP26 should help everyone realise this and then help them make the right choices to protect the environment, protect the planet now and for the future. So to kind of circle back to your question, um, I hope that its impact will be huge. I hope that it leads to accelerated policy, accelerated resources into this area, um, and hopefully businesses are, are there and ready to step up to deliver against it.
0: And what about you, Lucy? Do you think it's going to be a lightning rod for change? What, what are your hopes for COP26?
2: Absolutely. From what we are seeing at the moment through working with government and our different partners, both in the public and private sectors, there's a real momentum towards COP26 and really wanting both a, as I say, a government and a public sector level as well as with industry to really showcase Scotland as a country that puts uh, sustainability and net zero high on its agenda and having some very strong demonstrator projects that we can showcase. So for at the moment, we've got access to land um, very close to the green and blue zones at the SEC where we are working with partners to actually um, select key demonstration buildings that are showcasing uh, the latest building methods uh, the use of Scottish homegrown timber within uh, mass timber constructions, uh, the, the use of new energy systems, new energy technology, smart digital monitoring technology within within buildings, showcasing all what is available, often developed in Scotland, and showcasing that uh, to the world, both physically. But equally through very strong, um, very strong promotional routes and a lot of good PR and social media, that we really are working together to maximise this opportunity. Um, you know, through a strong events and promotional programme.
0: Okay, a final question to you both. Then, you know, we've got the targets, we've got the deadlines. Your peers may be listening to to this podcast about you know construction and where we we'll go next. What is your message to them? Where do we need to go as an industry to help achieve these goals, Graham?
1: I think if I had a take-home message, it would be that everybody has a bit of responsibility for our planet and for securing it for the next generation, be it children or grandchildren. For those uh, listening, it's it's probably a pretty simple message for me, and it's just try not to be wasteful. Um, Be that with your heating, your electricity, materials, food, clothes, water. Try and be as stingy as you possibly can be. Um, we've essentially taken that message and tried to apply it and translate it at a much larger scale across our own operations. Um, and as a result, we are seeing a significantly reduced carbon impact as well as cost savings. So it's it's win-win, really. Um, and what's what's not to like about that?
2: I think that's a great message from Graham. And I would go... Uh, on the education point and say you know I think everybody appreciates that we have a responsibility but it's actually putting that into action and equally putting it into action at a business level uh, and in your working lives as opposed to just in your personal lives and I think it's important not to feel overwhelmed by the challenge and realise that, you know, there's a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of help out there. And to businesses in the construction sector, you know, you can, uh, you know, th- through ourselves, through the supply chain sustainability schools, through our academic networks, Zero Waste Scotland, there's a whole host of entities out there that have access to great training material events there's great podcasts like what you're um what you're recording just now there's a lot of momentum as I say and particularly with COP26 so listen to the ideas see how others you know see how others are adopting best practice and you know be all you can be and you know look at the bigger picture and equally not just at the how much is this going to cost me but actually how are we going to benefit from that
0: And that's all we have time for. Thanks to today's guests, Graham Hanna, Head of Sustainability at the Robertson Group, and Lucy Black, Director of Innovation and Engagement with Construction Scotland Innovation Centre, for sharing such terrific insights into how the industry is rising to meet the challenges of climate change. And thanks also to today's producer, Mark Wilson, for keeping us all on track. I'll let us know your thoughts on this episode and any issues you'd like us to cover in future podcasts by tweeting us at the Scotsman. We'll have more episodes very soon so please subscribe to sustainable Scotland wherever you get your podcasts.